Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Ms. Richards. My name is Tiana Richards, Coordinator of Multicultural Student Affairs and the Committee Chair for the Black History Month. I would like to welcome everyone to today's event, Juneteenth, a celebration of freedom. And today, our presenter, Dr. Armani Wazwaz, earned her doctorate from Loyola University. During her doctoral studies, her areas of specialty were cultural studies and 19th and 20th century American literature in a multicultural context. For her dissertation, she wrote about the role of the body and pain of the African-American literature in 20th century American literature. At Moraine Valley, she teaches composition, American literature, African-American literature, non-Western literature, world literature, American literature, composition, and creative writing and visual arts. Her research and interests center around the writings of Frederick Douglass. I hope that you guys are prepared to learn some wonderful information today from Dr. Waswa, so please give her your undivided attention. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, and welcome to my presentation. Juneteenth, June 19. June 19 is a very, very significant day. This is the holiday that our country, when our country celebrates the end of slavery. And it began June 19, 1865. In order to understand its significance, we need to go back and understand who the key players were. African-American suffering and historical moments that led up to the emancipation of slaves. So what I would like to ask you is the following. In 1860, there were four million slaves. And African-Americans, African-American slaves had been suffering for so long. Can you please name certain ways that they had been suffering? Certain ways that African-Americans have been suffering. Anybody? Okay, Aliyah. Broken homes. Yeah. Broken homes, yes. Broken homes is a big one. Yes, and Tiana, the young woman in the back. Okay. Um, like malnutrition, maybe? Okay, all right. Malnutrition, hunger, broken homes. Can you think of other ways that African Americans were suffering during that time, during the days of slavery? Other ways as well, too. Beatings, rape. Yeah, rape, torture, beatings, broken homes. We really need to understand this to begin to understand the magnitude and importance of this holiday. The humanity behind the numbers, the four million, are what should be understood very deeply. I want to tell you that historian Howard Zinn looks at the people's history of the United States of America and he looks at the ways that the humans themselves have taken issue with the historical incidents and have suffered. So over here he talks about a gentleman by the name of Abraham Scriven. In 1858 Abraham was sold away from his family and from his home. And he wrote this, give my love to my father and mother and tell them buy for me 
And if we shall not meet in this world, I hope to meet in heaven. Now, four million is a lot, a lot of human lives, but we need to hear the individual voices to understand the suffering behind the numbers. There's more that Howard Zinn speaks about in his book. There's another man who was also sold away from his family, and this is what was written to communicate with his family. He said the following, send me some of my children's hair in a separate paper with their names on the paper. I had rather anything to have happened to me most than ever to have been parted from you and the children. Laura, I do love you the same. So we get a sense of the humanity, the separation, and what my student Aaliyah here was saying, the broken homes and the broken spirits. There is a quest, though, for African Americans to resist. And can you name certain ways that African Americans resisted back then? How did they resist? How did they begin resisting from all of this suffering and this injustice and unfairness? Okay. Prayer. Spirituality and prayer played key roles in resistance, yes. Other ways to add on to her voice? I would say uh, fighting back. Fought, physically fought back, yes. Okay, other ways that African Americans fought back? Prayer, actual fighting back, what else? Um, escaping. Escaping, okay, escaping. Escaping was very key as well too. Let's take a look at African American resistance. One way that African Americans resisted was they took care of each other's children. The idea that uh, I only have my children and I'm taking care of them did not exist. You could take care of other people's children. So a mom, a father, somebody who wanted to be in a mother and father role could take care of other people's children. This is a method of resistance taking care of other people's children. Another one was for those who were allowed, they had very stable marriages. Did you want to participate? Did you want to add? Okay, I want to continue. Aliyah mentions the following, fighting back, literally fighting back. In 811, a group of slaves began on one plantation and they started on one plantation killed the master and his son and moved and gathered more slaves and moved to another plantation. And they marched from plantation to another one. There were 400 to 500 slaves who were armed, who had knives with them. And historians comment that to other people, this must have looked like a very horrifying sight. Imagine it also from their perspective being enslaved for life. So they were walking around, but they were put down. They were gunned down. At least 66 to 100 of them were killed and their heads were displayed in front of everybody. This was in 811. So this was one way of resisting. Another armed resistance was Denmark Vesey. Denmark Vesey was a former slave. He was 
very influential. He was educated. He drew his inspiration from the Haitian Revolution. And his plan was to gather as many people as possible and burn down Charleston and then make it out and go onto the ships and escape to Haiti or maybe to Africa. His plan was discovered and he and several of his followers were hanged or executed. This was another planned rebellion. Another third one, which is also key, is Nat Turner. Nat Turner, um, the young woman mentioned spirituality and prayer. Nat Turner felt that he has a spiritual method, a spiritual message to rebel, to go and overthrow. And he gathered his followers, but he too, his plan failed. And Charles White, is an African-American artist who captures a lot of the spirit of famous African-Americans and everyday African-Americans. And he drew this picture at the moment that Nat Turner died, it was killed. So we do have resistance in the form of gathering together as family and creating rich bonds with one another. We have methods of resistance dealing with armed rebellion. Now, family togetherness is nonviolent. Can you think of other nonviolent ways that slaves could have resisted? Nonviolence, using nonviolent methods of resistance. Learning to read. Re learning to read. That is also, that is very key. With Frederick Douglass writing about that tremendously, learning to read is something that was against the law back then. What's another method of resisting? Nonviolently. Learning to read. Slowing down their production process. Exactly, yes, yes. Um, African-American women uh, developed this method that if they did not want a, a birth, they did not want a child, that they could wash themselves with vinegar and they could miscarry the child that they did not want in the first place. They're a child that was a result of rape. So they sold that down, okay? Other methods, other methods of resistance. Okay. Getting rid of unwanted children, learning to read, and running away, somebody had mentioned that earlier, running away actually proved to be far more productive than armed rebellion. You had in the 1850s as much as 1,000 slaves escaping per year, all in the 1850s, running away to Mexico, running away to Canada, running away to the north. Now, it's, it wasn't easy because as this painting very eloquently shows, you had these vicious dogs that could go after people and tear them apart, okay? But this was a, an, an amazing method of resistance, escaping, okay? John Brown, how many of you are familiar with his story? John Brown, okay, please tell us. What no, do you I know? Can't, I can't tell you can't tell, okay. <laughs> All right, okay, I, then I will tell. John Brown was spiritual and he had this plan that if he could gather people, he, he had 21 members in his group and about 15 of them were whites 
and about six, six or seven were African-American. And his idea was to overtake the federal armory. And from there, if he could take it, more people, more slaves would be inspired to follow him. And then he would pass out the weapons to them and they would start an armed rebellion and take it from there. And Frederick Douglass talks a lot about meeting him and John Brown's very intricate plans to take over and for slavery for once and again to be abolished forever in America. Well, his members were caught and killed. Some of them were hanged. And he himself was hanged and several authors among whom was Ralph Waldo Emerson, um, he mourned his loss, okay? So Howard Zinn talks about the fact that culture would have it that they would not have Howard Zinn abolish slavery. Had he abolished slavery, there would have been immediate freedom. Instead, the person that is associated with the emancipation of slaves is not John Brown, Howard Zinn talks, says. Who is he? Who is associated with the emancipation of slaves? Who? Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln. Now you could read up more about it, but Howard Zinn says the emancipation of slave, slaves had to go through the hands of the government because this would ensure that African Americans would not have immediate freedom but very, very gradual freedom. This is his analysis. So it leads me to Abraham Lincoln himself. And Abraham Lincoln, personally, he hated slavery. But what he did was this. His plan was, if you know, very little by little, emancipation step by step, not sudden, emancipate slaves here and there, compensate the slave owners. In his inaugural address, he said, I don't want slavery to expand out into the western areas, into the newly acquired territories. I want it to stop. I want to limit it. But I, Abraham Lincoln, do not want, don't want to interfere with states whatsoever. So these are his ideas during his inaugural address. Abolitionists felt that's not enough. Limiting slavery in western parts of the United States of America is not enough whatsoever. What about all of the hard work that abolitionists have been putting into the abolishing of slavery? You have here John Rock who passed away unfortunately at the very young age of 40 doctor, lawyer, professor, teacher. He came up with the term black is beautiful and he was an abolitionist and he said, this is not enough, this is not fair. The idea is to abolish slavery once and for all and not just limit it. So Abraham Lincoln becomes president and for some people that is a threat. That is a big time threat. So what happened is some ceded, okay? You have some uh, states are like, he's interfering with our state rights. We want to do whatever we want to do to keep in slavery. 
So what they did was, but notice like the difference in opinion. Abolitionists, no, he's not being fair. Abolish slavery once and for all. Abraham Lincoln, I'm going to take it slow and easy. Okay, so you have them, they're pulling away. The Confederates fire the first shots. They take over the federal arsenal. The Union fires back. The Civil War has started. Okay. What happens? First we had seven that seated, and then four more followed as well too. Abraham Lincoln is alarmed. He does not want this to happen. He wants a United States of America. He wants all to be together. So he goes into the fight originally to preserve the Union and not to emancipate slaves. Okay. Now, we got to look at different aspects of history and we got to look at different historians and what they have to say. The emancipation of slavery came on later as Abraham Lincoln, his ideas were evolving. Historian Vincent Harding credits the slaves themselves for emancipating themselves. He says this is something that we really need to understand. In 1862, when the slaves heard of all of this war going on, they were the ones who up and left the plantations. We really need to take that into consideration. He says the following, as the guns resounded across the southern lands, the movement of black folk out of slavery began to build. Quickly it approached and surpassed every level previously known. Eventually the flood of fugitives amazed all observers and dismayed not a few as it sent waves of men, women and children rushing into the camps of northern armies. In the beginning, some people on the Union side did not know what to do with these people, did not know what to do with the slaves. Some sent them back, but there were a lot of them, and they made their exit towards their own, own freedom. Okay. So this is a picture from long ago of people escaping, people going back, people moving towards their own freedom. I want to tell you, this is also another significant picture from that time, because a lot of the slaves that escaped, they were not well taken care of initially. A lot of them died. A lot of them starved, unfortunately. But later on, these contraband communities, they started forming communities within one another and taking care of one another. And what you see here is, the ex-slaves now, they're teaching one another how to read. They're caring for one another. This is a significant part of the history. African-American soldiers made up a significant part of these communities that had formerly run away. But I want to ask you this. When the first shots were fired, there were African-Americans in the North, free African-Americans, who wanted to become soldiers. And they were rejected time and time again in the first stages of the Civil War from joining uh, and fighting the war. And I want to ask my audience, why would you think 
African Americans were rejected and were turned away initially in the first stages of the war. Why? Why do you think? Yes. Mainly because of the color of their skin. Okay. All right. So you have racism. Okay. What's another reason that you would suggest? Another reason. Why were they turned away? Got racism, the color of their skin. Why would they be turned away? Yes, Drew? Maybe they, maybe they were underestimated. underestimated. Yeah. Okay, maybe they were underestimated. So Drew, the letters, the testimonies that came on later on talked about how courageous they were. So maybe that was also something underlying, Drew? Um, it was a movie about some African-American soldiers, like the first African-American soldiers to fight in the war. I forgot the name of it, but like, everything that you explained it was in this movie. And, okay. it, and it, was a, it was based on a book, so like, I'll tell I'll tell it to you once I remember. Okay, all right, and it, and it covered it covered this aspect of the history. Okay. Anybody else? Any suggestions? Fear. F fear fear of what? Right. Yeah. That was a big part of it. I just want to go back. Remember that rebellion in 811? People were terrified seeing African Americans carrying weapons. They were terrified. That is also the same reasoning that they provided. You know, how can we provide African American men with guns? They did not want that, okay? They did not want it. It was racism. They underestimated them. Well, if they turn them into soldiers, the next thing they have to do is acknowledge that they're citizens of the United States of America. They did not want that. They did not want to grant them the rights of citizenship. This was initial, okay? But then, as time went on and the union was losing and people, people, you know, were not as interested in, in fighting, you had all these African-American men who were very interested in fighting and they could not ignore that any, anymore. And plus, the South was using them. The, the South was using them as guards. So why couldn't the union also use them as well too? I want to tell you before I move ahead from here, does anybody know in general how many soldiers were killed in the Civil War? In general, how much drew? 600,000. Yeah, 600, 620,000. Eventually, when African American soldiers were allowed to fight, there were a hundred and 80,000 soldiers, 180,000 soldiers, 34,000 were killed. 34,000 African-American soldiers lost their lives. They did contribute, they did fight back, and they fought back valiantly, and records have been written about their courage. 
Abraham Lincoln, I have this over here, was terrified of using them to add on to what I was saying earlier. Over here, the border states, you see over here, these states had slaves, but they were loyal to the Union. Abraham Lincoln was terrified that if he armed African Americans, that he would lose them. He would lose them as well. I want to mention this. I also want to mention another key area in the fight towards emancipation, which is this proclamation, Emancipation Proclamation. Anybody want to share their ideas, insights, what you know about this with all of us? Drew, do you want? No. Anybody else? January 1, 1863, Abraham Lincoln writes that from here on, all slaves shall be then, thenceforth and forever free. The common understanding is this is the document that freed all slaves and freed everybody. Is this true? Is this true? People are saying no, no. Do you want to? Do you want to add Tiana? Do you want to add Charmaine? Do you want to add? Add on to this, Aliyah. Do you want to add? I would say uh, no. No. Because, like, like you had stated, Abraham Lincoln even said himself it would be like a gradual process, and like still to this day, realistically, African Americans are not free. Sure, they are free, like from slavery, like. We don't, um, they, they do not have to like be owned by anyone, but there's many ways that African Americans are still not free to this day. Okay, so no, even till this day, no. Okay, does anybody want to add on to her comment? More of your voices, please, more. Okay, Shania. Aliyah. Do you hear me? No. Oh, okay. So technically, this was the document that yeah. by law made them free, but when you create a law, the only way a person can use their rights with that law is if they know about it. And yeah. so this was the issue, right? So yeah. technically, this made them free, but if they didn't know about it or given that opportunity to be free, then it was um, useless a little bit yeah. at that point until the word got out. Yeah. So what Shania is saying is it's a law, but if people don't know about it, then it's useless. It is useless. It's just something. It's written on paper. Okay. So I've got two voices, and I'll add on two more of your voices. Historian Eric Fawner's voice and his perception in studying the Civil War is the following. This document had its limitations because what this document, it freed on paper, he stressed, the 3.1 million slaves that were trapped in the Confederate side of the United States of America. It freed them on paper. He warns us not to think of this as a magical document that freed all four million of the slaves. 
And he also, yeah, he stresses this. So on paper, it freed the 3.1 million who were here, who were trapped in Confederate lines. It did not free the 750,000 slaves that were here in the border states. They were still loyal to the Union. And again, Abraham Lincoln really wanted to preserve their loyalty tremendously. So this document itself is problematic. And it's not as magical as certain like certain folks seem to think that it is. It does have its limitations. But Eric Fawner stresses that it's an interesting document in that it shows the evolution of Abraham Lincoln's way of thinking. Whereas initially in his life, he started out hating slavery, wanting to limit it, wanting to, to gradual emancipation of slaves, not their sudden emancipation. All of a sudden, what we're noticing here is due to what was happening, due to African-Americans moving out, moving out of their plantations, escaping to freedom, wanting to volunteer and wanting to be soldiers, he is starting to change his mind. It reflects the evolution in his way of thinking. I want to jump, okay? But I want you to keep in mind, January 1, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, oh boy, you know what I mean, <laughs> Proclamation was declared and the last victory shot was fired and victory was declared April 12, 1865. April 12, 1865, I jumped. I jumped years and years and years. And I, what I want to ask you is this. April 12, 1865, is the last day of the Civil War, and that's when victory was declared. But I want you to take a look here. But we celebrate the end of slavery June 19, not April 12. We don't celebrate it January 1. We don't, you know, the day of the issuing of the Emancipation Proclamation. We don't do that, okay? It's June 19, what do you think? What do you, what do you think? Why, why not April 12? Why a later date? Why do you think this happened? What's your sense? What could have happened? Anybody, any possibility? Why not April 12? What is it? You got to get the message out. People did not know. Okay, you're going from place to place. You got to get the message out. And not everybody knew about it. Not everybody knew about it. Okay. Anybody else to add on to what she said? Okay, you got to make sure. Aliyah? Um, it was stated that Lincoln was scared about the border states. Okay. So maybe he overcame that fear. And, okay. Yeah, possibly. All right. Okay. I want to tell you, I'm going to go back to Charmaine's answer, which is 
people did not know. And I want to go back in history a little bit. And th thank you for sharing, you know, your response. And I want to go back, okay? So June 19, 1865, the first official day. This is this first celebration of the ending of slavery. But in order to understand why it's June 19, let's go back to 1862, okay? So we said 1862 is really significant because this is when slaves were up and leaving the plantations and moving away and forming these contraband communities. Well, you also had the slaveholders watching all of this happening and becoming terrified. And so what they did was they gathered their slaves from you know plantation to plantation, 150,000 of them, and they took them to Texas. Okay, 1862, some are escaping their way to freedom, and some are being gathered and being forced to go into Texas. And one slave, he said this in one of the testimonies, it looked like everybody in the world was going to Texas, okay? So they took them there, and they kept them enslaved there, okay? 150,000 of them, until General Granger Gordon came and delivered the message. So yes, Charmaine, you are right. The message had to be delivered, and you know, People and some people in Texas claimed we had not gotten the message, but there's also testimony that they had. They actually had got, gotten the message with different people saying that, no, they knew about it. But no, they insisted on keeping people enslaved. So General, Gordon, uh, General uh, Granger Gordon comes in with his General Order Number 3 on June 19, 1865 to remind people that all African Americans, that all slaves have been freed. Did people listen to him? What do you think? No, they didn't. They did not listen to him. They did not listen. They put up a fight. They decided, let's wait until after harvest time to tell people. So this way, they could use up more of the slaves to work, to work their fields. There was a young, uh, there was a woman by the name of Katie Darling. She was enslaved six years after 1865, six years beyond that. From 1865 to 1869, 400 African-American Texans were killed in the fight to free themselves, and 10 white Texans were killed as well, too. This Texas was the last place. General Gordon had to bring 50,000 soldiers to enforce General Order Number 3, to enforce the freedom of slaves, and 40 different outposts to tell people to stop slavery. It had stopped. It's over. So that people could wake up and people could actually enforce the law and follow it. Okay, June 19, 
150,000 people, the last people to be enslaved in the United States of America were in Texas. Their celebrations, what do you think was going on in these first celebrations? What were these celebrations about? Freedom. What you, freedom. Celebrated freedom. And what did they do in these celebrations, in these get-togethers? Sing, dance, music. We see that in here, music. Sing, dance, music. Fellowship. Fellowship with one another. Some of them, when they were freed, they're going to go and look for family members, long-lost family members. They're going to go and look for them. Fellowship, spirituality, singing. Okay, here's another one. From those days, dress up in the most beautiful clothing. Okay, sing, dance. I wrote down, um, you know, what I had read. They were looking for family members. Some were reading the Emancipation Proclamation. Some made sermons, sang spirituals, you know, kept the slave culture, you know, the meals and the slave cuisine, the message for the young to keep the values of self-improvement and racial uplift. And since history was insisting on telling a different story, Juneteenth was about reminding the young of the actual stories of African-American suffering. These slaves took it and they spread it to Los Angeles, Oakland, Seattle. How many of you are familiar with Isabel Wilkerson's The Warmth of Other Sons? Okay, all right, a few of you are phenomenal, you know, writer, and she interviewed a lot of African-American families. She said they took this culture with them. Okay. I want to ask, tell you, so it was celebrated for a while, but then from the 1920s to the late 60s, there was no celebration. Why is that? What do you, why do you think? Why do you think the celebration stopped from the 1920s to the 1960s? Okay, everybody got to hear what Charmaine is saying, okay? Jim Crow. Okay. Got it. Jim Crow. Do you want to add on? So there was a law, right, the order that came in to free slaves, and then there was other laws that were put onto the books to kind of put African Americans back into a different type of slavery. Right. So when you talk about free, as our student um, indicated, there had to be a definition of what freedom meant and what it looked right. like because they kept revamping the definition and redefining it. So they continued to figure out ways to come up with alternatives to not allow African Americans yes. to be free. Okay. So Jim Crow laws, Jim Crow laws that enslaved African Americans in different, in different ways. There were Jim Crow laws between this time. What else? What else do you see? Other examples? To also add on to what Charmaine mentioned, 1920s. Yeah, yes. Right. Okay. And the Great Depression, you're mentioning, Shania, and what they say is for African Americans, the Great Depression was like a double injury. 
because some were suffering from poverty to begin with, and that added on to it. Okay, 1920s, what caused a lot of this mass migration to the north? Why were people running away? Why were they running away from the south? Jim Crow definitely, what is, I'm sorry. Yes, and that, as, and that as well too, violence, lynching, violence, lynching, Jim Crow laws, un unfairness. African-American communities are like, what is there to celebrate? And it's like Charmaine Beck was saying, okay, so slavery on paper is abolished, but there's still slavery going on, a different form of slavery, lynching. And you got World War I, where African-American soldiers won and fought and were treated well in Europe, but were mistreated when they came back home. World War II, segregation, Jim Crow, you mentioned, textbooks not covering fairly African-American suffering and history. What is there to celebrate? Okay. <laughs> Still not covered, my colleague says in the back, it's still not covered. Um, I teach African-American literature, and when I go over the history, I have some of my students here, my students tell me we did not know that. We didn't know this. It's still not covered. Um, I mentioned Malcolm X, uh, and just like the one paragraph, you know, that he read of, African-American history in a regular textbook, just one small paragraph. It was all being washed, all being washed, you know. What are you gonna put your heart and soul into when, when, you, want, when, you, when you wanna celebrate, you really wanna celebrate an actual freedom and uh, there's not much, there's not much to celebrate. So, Dr. Martin Luther King wanted to have a poor people's march and he was assassinated so his wife and reverend abernathy said we're gonna keep his dream alive and we're gonna have a poor people's march when are we gonna have it so coretta scott king and reverend reverend abernathy are like let's decide on a date let's decide on a date um june 19th Let's decide on June 19 for the Poor People's March. And so they brought it back. They brought it back. Slowly, slowly, it came back. Slowly, but surely. So from the memory of Dr. King, this came back. And I want to tell you, have any of you visited in Texas Emancipation Park? Have any of you visited it? Okay. I've seen pictures of it. It looks beautiful. The story behind it goes like this. A long time ago, when the, when the ex-slaves wanted space to celebrate, they were turned down. They were not allowed to celebrate. And so what they did was they gathered together money. They chipped in $800, okay? From the $800, they created Emancipation Park in Texas. And 
they set the ground for something very beautiful. And then they had also, another group also created another park. And now they renovated it. It's been renovated. And everything they've done has meaning. The color of these buildings has meaning. The way that it is structured has a lot of meaning. So this is one part of it. Here's another part for children to play. Okay. I started this discussion with men who were se uh, separated from their families and, and just wanted at least just to feel their children's hair for one last time. What you have is a place for families to gather together and smile and be with one another. And as I mentioned earlier, there is rhyme, reason to everything. And this uh, African-American architect says, the idea of connecting or stitching together many different parts to create a harmonious entity is rooted in African and African-American traditions, such as quilting. This is reflected in the total overall Emancipation Park designs. Its buildings, exterior spaces, and landscape features. It's as if it were a patchwork quilt. And you could almost get a sense of how it is. It does indeed look like a patchwork quilt. Okay. I have now other pictures, images of people celebrating. And here's another one. There's one site that asks people to send in their pictures of the celebrations of June 19th. Here's another one. And here's another one, um, a celebration at a community college. You are watching SGTV, socially good television. Juneteenth is one of the oldest celebrations commemorating the ending of slavery in the United States. So what we do here in the city of Cleveland is every year we put on a grand production. We have our annual conference where we have guest artists coming from all over the world teaching traditional dance and drumming workshops. And we also have our annual concert. This year was our fifth annual concert, which was epic, and it was a huge success. We're so appreciative of everybody that came out to join us, and we hope that everybody comes out to join us every single year after this. Every year, I host free community classes here in the city of Cleveland. We begin in September and we go all the way through June. Most of the people that are in my production, they have never danced before in their lives. Some of them have never been exposed to culture. So this is their very, very first time having that experience.
But during the whole process, it's very, very tedious. For one, financially, because we don't get financial backing from anyone. So mostly everything comes from the community members, and it's coming from out of my pockets as well. We're dealing with a cast of over 60 members. So with me, myself, having to deal with all that, sometimes it can get a bit tedious. But we do create a village atmosphere where we all are supportive, and we all support one another and our children. It's so much more than music and dance. It's learning about yourself, learning about others and how to treat others and to be respectful towards others. Please come out and join us in September when we will start fresh and new and prepare for our sixth annual Juneteenth conference and concert. Peace, love, and light. Juneteenth. What is it? What is the meaning? Why is it significant to you? Why is it significant to the African-American community? Why is it significant to America? Your thoughts, please. What is the meaning of Juneteenth? Microphone, Drew. Because that's when African-Americans had their true freedom. Okay. All right, okay. So that's when African Americans had their true freedom. All right, you're saying. Thoughts, Juneteenth, why is it important? Why is it significant to you, African American community, America as a whole? Why have this celebration? Why is it important for people to remember June 19th as the day that certain ex-slaves said, this is the day that we're going to celebrate as the end of slavery. They chose it. Why is this very significant? What's the meaning of this? It has the same, has the same importance as Independence Day. Yeah. But for African Americans, I mean, yes. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. So Drew is saying it has the same importance as Independence Day. Okay. Um, as you said, that it was something that African Americans decided. Finally, African Americans could make a decision. So I think that's really significant. Okay. So they're the ones who chose this date. They're the ones who chose it as the day of celebration. I hear you. Lest, I would say, lest we forget. So in the Caribbean, um, August 1st, 1838 was our Emancipation Day. Okay. And so in Barbados about uh, 15 years ago, it became an official holiday. But the I-Day, and, and I'm surprised that Juneteenth is not an official holiday here. And 
more widely celebrated because lest we forget, right? We talk yes. a lot about remembering the Holocaust and lest we forget, we really need um, to bring back Juneteenth and celebrate it, but also to remember yes. slavery and its continued impact, um, you know, how it, how it lasted over centuries. Yeah. You know, so I think that's really important. Yeah. So lest we forget, it needs to be nationally recognized more than it is. Okay. It does need to be nationally recognized. As of today, not sure exactly how many states recognize it. 45, okay, but not, not all of them do. And uh, Mitch, Texas officially recognized it as a national holiday in 1979 but more have to officially recognize it, a whole lot more. Um, but most people, like the average person, would not know, would not know that June 19 is the day to celebrate the end of slavery. It is about not forgetting your saying, Shania. And it also in not forgetting, we're also not forgetting the harm, the emotional, the, physic the physical harm that it caused and, and the emotional pain and suffering that went on after it. So it's the day to pause and acknowledge this happened. Other ways why it's such an important day to remember. Other, other reasons, other ways that you're making meaning of it. African-American chosen, we shouldn't forget, we should acknowledge the history. Okay, I am going to share some quotes. Um, Aliyah, can you please read this quote by Lockhart? Uh, in many ways, Juneteenth represents how freedom and justice in the U.S. has always been uh, delayed for black people. The decades after the end of the war would see a uh, wave of lynching. Sorry, I can't, like, I kind of can't see. Uh, lynching, imprisonment, and Jim Crow laws take root. What followed was the disproportionate impact of mass incarceration, uh, discriminatory housing policies, and a lack of economic investment. Okay, right. So... That's one, one way that she has interpreted this. Okay, Juneteenth is a day on which honor and respect is paid for the sufferings of slavery. It's a day on which we acknowledge the evils of slavery and its aftermath. On Juneteenth, we talk about our history and realize because of it, there will ever be a bond between us. Drew, could you please read the next one? On Juneteenth, we think about that moment in time when the enslaved of Galveston, Texas, received word of their freedom. We imagine the depth of their emotions, their jubilant dance, and their fear of the unknown. Okay, thank you. Brianna, the next one. Juneteenth is a day of reflection, a day of Pride. renewal uh, a pride filled day it is a moment in the time taken to appreciate the African American experience it is inclusive of all races ethnicities and nationalities 
as nothing is more com comfort comforting <laughs> than the hand of a friend. Okay, thank you. Juneteenth is a day of reflection, a day of renewal, a pride-filled day. It is a, a Juneteenth is a day that we commit to each other, the needed support as family, friends, and coworkers. It's a day we build conditions that enhance African-American economics. On Juneteenth, we come together, young and old, to listen, to learn, and to refresh the drive to achieve it's a day where we all take one step closer together to better utilize the energy wasted on racism. Juneteenth is a day that we pray for peace and liberty for all. I want everybody now to participate. How will you celebrate this June 19th? What will you do? What will you do? I will begin to gather my family um, and also mostly educate my daughter. Okay. All right. And how old is she now? Four. Four years old. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. Just pass it around, please. Um, educate my generation um, on Juneteenth because a lot of us don't know about it. Okay. I would definitely agree with Brianna. Uh, education for our generation, plus the generation to come uh, about Juneteenth. Okay. Right, now remember, party, food, music, it is a part of it. Okay. That's why I said gather the family. Gather the family, okay. I would really just, really just gather my family and friends and celebrate all about how we are grateful to be free today as well as <laughs> as well yeah. okay I hear you raise awareness and education okay. for my children and my community okay raise awareness and education okay drew First thing I'm gonna do is party, celebrate. Okay. You know, personally, I'm a party like yes, you know what I'm saying. So I'm a party like it's uh July Fourth. Yeah. So okay. and then I will educate my younger cousins, nieces, nephews. I'm gonna let them know about the yes. history. Okay. Yeah. Because if each of us can tell one other person, then then we're spreading. We're spreading the knowledge around. We're spreading people's awareness. Yeah. I think I'd spend some time talking to my family and my friends and make sure they know about June 19th and Juneteenth and what it means. Um, okay. And make sure that we're, I don't know, acknowledging our privilege and really celebrating what, um, both celebrating and acknowledging the history. Okay. Shania earlier said, lest, lest we forget, lest we forget, we're all deciding to take on the role of the teacher. Teach, tell, tell people. Raise awareness, yes. I'd probably also tell my family and friends who aren't aware of it and okay. try to educate myself more. Right, because a lot of people are not aware. They're not aware of this. That's definitely true. I think a lot of people that um, I'm friends with and my family are not aware of Juneteenth. Um, and I think it's important to take some time that day to re-examine um, the history we know and the history we've learned um, and take some time to look at how that's been whitewashed and consider different perspectives. Yeah. Look at different perspectives. Uh, I would like to recommend, please, uh, There is a River by Vincent Harding. 
because he does take a look at what the slaves have done, what Frederick Douglass has done. He looks a lot from the African-American perspective of African-American history. I'd also like to recommend another book, uh, Job Hope uh, Franklin's From Slavery to Freedom is another excellent you know, historical text. Also takes into strong consideration African-American roles and perspectives. This is a very significant book. Uh, from Slavery to Freedom, From Slavery to Freedom, and the other one, Vincent Harding, There is a River, looks at African-American history in, in a loving, in a very emotional way. Like, for example, when he talks about African-American slaves leaving the plantations, he allows you to envision what it was like for them to, to leave. Okay. And he, he does that in, in, a, in a wonderfully phenomenal way. Okay. Okay. Thank One you. of the first things I would do, because I'm looking at my Google Calendar and it's not automatically marked on my calendar, so the first thing I can do is put it on there the same way I put people's birthdays and every other thing so that I can make sure that I remain present to it and I can acknowledge it and celebrate right. it. Um, and then also, at minimum, just like I send out group texts when I say happy Thanksgiving to everybody, yes. I can send out a group text and say right. happy Juneteenth and maybe with like a small, what the <laughs> meaning is, like a little small paragraph of, did you know Juneteenth right. meant such and such? Yes. Okay, that's a great idea. Um, continue to um, celebrate with family, um, educate those who are unaware of it. Um, and then I think intentionally plan something. As ever mentioned, June 19th happens to be on a Wednesday. Yes. Perhaps we should come back to the library on that day um, for okay. um, a way to remember something or perhaps do something someplace else on campus. Yes. But if we put it out there and we um, make it purposeful, I think we have a better chance of not forgetting. Right. Yes. We're saying food. <laughs> but I mean I do think like the social media presence is, is important right so with everything else I do in life I put on Facebook I might as well you know make note and that's another way to connect with people who, who don't know for sure right? so. okay so what I'm thinking I'm going to do so last week I was having a conversation because I'm very active in my community um, because I kept seeing all these flyers and, and so on about St. Patrick's Day and our aldermen doing all this stuff and people in our community doing stuff for St. Patrick's Day and like nothing about Black History Month. And so I started talking about it and people want to get together and plan stuff, right? So yeah. I'm just thinking, because you know, the month is almost over so we were think looking forward to what can we do. And so I'm going to try to get these people who are interested to come together and try to plan something in my community to celebrate Juneteenth. I think that would be good. Thank you. So I, I plan to um, celebrate, to continue to celebrate. We do celebrate it a little bit, but to celebrate it more and to also educate more, um, more of the uh, people that, the, the students and the, the, the children that I um, around in my community more. Um, I was also thinking just while everyone was saying what they were doing, um, I'm a Girl Scout leader and um, maybe having something with the Girl Scouts on that day. Thank you so much. 
Really wish we could do something here at Moraine Valley. Really wish we could have some kind of celebration <laughs> here in the summer at Moraine Valley. Yeah, we could go outside. Yeah, I think that'd be like so cool. It would. It would. Shakespeare, do something at Shakespeare's Garden. Okay, that would be so interesting. Like plan, plan a party and just be inspired. I, I want to add uh, Juneteenth.com is the website that you could go to and you could share stories you could take a look at the history juneteenth.com you know like the more stories and pictures are documented and gathered the more there would be like encouragement for this holiday to be celebrated